Turn in your Bibles today to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. You know, one of the things that I mentioned this last week or the week before, but I believe that this week is going to be very pivotal for us as a church. And uh, as I say always, keep praying for us. Pray for the church. Um, you know, I believe... I was just meditating on the scripture. It hit me um, a couple of days ago. You ever just have a scripture just hit you? And it just like, whoa, man, that's... And you start meditating on it and you see how the, the power behind it. But I was just thinking about... You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, we were going to do this, but the people shut me down. You know, this. But you know, let me tell you something. When God gives you something, it's up to you to possess it. But the Bible says that he opens a door that no man can shut. So that's what's happening in the church. God's opening a door for us. He's going to open many doors for us. There's doors of utterance. There's doors of service. uh, Many different doors. And he's going to open those doors, but we have to walk through it. But he opens a door, and it says no man can shut it. The only thing, you you can shut it yourself. But, but, you know, it's kind of like um, this joy that I have. The world didn't, we sing a song, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. So when God opens a a door for you, you'll know it. And so he's opening, he's going to be opening some big doors for us. But the only way it can not happen is if we decide and and go chicken and don't step through it. But we're going to have to step through it. And of course, it's going to take prayer to do that as well. And so that's why we've been praying um, the last few months um, at 5.15 in the morning. And um, we're just, um, we're praying about that. Maybe in a couple of weeks, we're going to just do something a little different. But um, just to let you know, we're not having prayer uh, again this week um, at 5.15. You're welcome to wake up and do that on your own. <laughs> but um, we're going to um, just, we're just praying about a lot of different things here in the church. Thank you, Lord. Did you find Matthew 16? And so one of the things the Lord's done for us, or or is going to be doing, I believe, is uh, we're going to be, uh, and I shared this last week, uh, the pillars of my faith. You know, pillar is a foundation. It's not just something you put your head on. I put my head on the pillar. You know, it's, it's not that. It's... It's something, it's a column. It's something that holds up something. And so the, the pillar of my faith is, is truths that we have. And so we're going to talk about some of these things. We're going to talk about the, the mission and the call of my life. We're going to talk about the worship of my worship, my treasure, different things like that. And so I want you to really be expecting. And so this, week, uh, this month, um, we're going to do the same thing, but I'll get into it in just a second. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that you are John the Baptist, some Elijah, and so there's others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? So what is he? He's got two questions here. Who do men say that I am? Then he says, who do you say that I am? 
So what do his disciples have to say? Look at here. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this service today. Thank you for your word, Lord, that prevails in the life of every believer today. And Lord, I thank you that you change us from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice what Peter, he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. <clears throat> and it says, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, was he talking about the rock of the revelation that he is the Christ. Upon this um, rock and understanding, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so Peter saw who Jesus really was. That's what we need today is to be able to see Jesus as he really is. Uh, for many people, they see him, Jesus, just like I did as a young boy growing up, through the eyes of tradition, through the eyes of religion. You know, we just come out of Christmas. And what do people see? They see, they see Jesus as the babe in the manger. And, you know, people, what someone might call a rank sinner. <laughs> Somebody that's never, you know, so far away from God. You know, they'll cry. They'll, they'll, they'll do whatever, you know. They'll, they'll cry and just say, well, look at the babe in the manger. But as I said a couple weeks ago, is, if you keep him as the babe in the manger, then you don't have to serve him as the Lord of your life. Yeah. Then at Easter time, Resurrection Day, we call it. You know, people see Jesus and they, they cry that he's, he's on the cross. But let me tell you. He didn't stay on the cross. He died. He was resurrected and he ever lives. The Bible says to make intercession for us. And so the, the important thing is how do we see Jesus ourselves? So I want to speak along the lines of seeing Jesus clearly. Seeing Jesus clearly. I mean, you know, some say you're John the Baptist. You know, you came back from the dead. Others, Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But then he turns around and said, okay, that's fine. But who do you say that I am? Yeah. It's not important what your neighbor believes. It's not important what yes. Aunt Minnie says. It's important about who do you say that he yes. is. Amen. Yeah. And so one of the things that, that we have to do is see him clearly. How do we do that? We see, it, we see it through the eyes of the Word of God. We see it through the eyes, you know, some people say, well, you know, I wish I could go back and live in the days of Jesus. Well, we have something better because we have His Spirit within us. He says, it's, it's expedient for you. It's advantageous that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I go away, I'm going to send Him unto you. Why? Because now He can be within you. He's, he's not just... You know, it's just like, 
I just like to be in the days of Jesus. You know, just, I want to be back there. And No, we have something better. We, have, we can be in his presence all the time. The presence of Jesus comes on the inside of us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, we look at, as it, we, we walk, you remember Jesus says, I come in the volume of the book. Where? In the book. Seeing the five porches, seeing Jesus perform miracles. I see, I see myself there when, when the woman with the issue of blood pressed in. I see Jesus clearly. Where? In the book that it said. But according to what it actually said, I see myself in Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood. She says, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And they said that she pressed in through the crowd and to where you're there in, with the disciples and you're seeing, it's kind of like the super book. And so you're right there, you know, you, all of a sudden you're, you're out of, in, out of um, time back to in that place. And it's like super book. Well, this is the super book here. It's the book. And so you look at it and you see, you see yourself, you see Jesus performing miracles. And see, the thing is, is you can't just let the Bible be a historical book. You have to see yourself in the book. Seeing yourself in the scripture. And so what do we do? We allow the Holy Spirit to paint on the canvas of our heart what his word says. Some say he's a good man. Some say he's a prophet. You know, even other religions say that about Jesus. He's a good man. But, you know, it's, it's amazing when you think, you know, now, our boys weren't, you know, and, and a little different than maybe the way I was raised a little bit and no condemnation if you were or weren't. But, you know, we never told our boys about the tooth fairy or, you know, you have the tooth fairy, then you have the Easter bunny and, and you have Santa Claus and then you have Jesus Christ. I mean, just lump him into all those together, you know. <laughs> And so that's what people, they, they think, they, they see as Jesus, like, oh, man, we have the Easter Bunny. Oh, we have Santa Claus. Oh, we have Jesus there, you know. And so, so people don't see him as a real figure. They just see, well, you know, they keep him in that little uh, land of make-believe. But what do we celebrate right now? This is the year 2021 A.D., one man split time and eternity. One man split right. all the time that we have now. It's the year of our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice it's not 2021 Confucius, <laughs> Muhammad, Buddha, Hare Krishna. Like, like Jesse DePlanis said, how, how would you like to have your God named Harry? Harry Krishna. Amen. <laughs> And so I began to look at Jesus in the word. You know, the Bible says, blessed are those that haven't seen and yet have believed. And so what he has to do is begin to walk off of the pages of the book into my heart. He's walking and living in us. The Bible says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so we had to begin to see him more clearly. If you remember one time, Philip, one of the disciples, he says, Lord, you know, if it suffice us, show us, show us the Father. You know, it doesn't suffice us. It, it'll be good for us. Jesus turned around and said, Philip, have I not been with you? It's like, 
hey, boy, have I been not been with you for so long? And now you say this. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. If you've seen... So, you know, it should be in our life that, that we walk in a place with the Lord that people look at us and say, if I've seen them, I've seen the Father. They should look and say, if I've seen Kevin, I've seen the Father. I've seen Jesus. Amen. <laughs> what does that mean? That means we have to be, think about the disciples. It said they took note of them. They were unlearned and ignorant men. Maybe they didn't speak properly. Maybe they didn't use $50 words. Real polished. Maybe they were not part of the esoteric generation. You know, maybe they just didn't speak real polished. But they took note of one thing. They had been with Jesus. And so one of the things we have to always do is identify ourselves with the Lord Jesus. Seeing him. That what? He was made sin that I could be made free. He was made sick that I could be made healed. He was made poor that I might be made rich. I'm reading scriptures. (laughs) The Bible says he was cast out of the presence of God so I could have fellowship. But, you know, many people, their, their comprehension of Jesus is, you know, Jesus was just a... You ever seen some of the pictures of Jesus? Like I said not too long ago, some people, they harp on the fact that, that Jesus, you know, about people that, you know, they don't like women preachers and things like that. But you go in their house and they have a picture of Jesus on the wall with women's clothes on. And, um, you know, because of the customs and certain clothes that people wore. And, um, <laughs> but, you know, Jesus was not just some scrawny looking dude. You know, you see him, and, and he looked like he came out of Woodstock or something. And, um, but Jesus was a strong man. That's right. Come on. I mean, not everybody could take whips like that, you know, and, and pick up tables like he did. I mean, he, uh, he was a strong man. You know, people think, well, he just, even if he did have a lamb under his arm, he, that takes a little bit of strength too. But Jesus was not just some, you know, Speaking Elizabeth in English, you know, yea, I say unto you, and, um, you know, it's like the little boy that, that said to his mother, hey, mom, who was, who was that that Jesus was always talking to, verily? He said, verily, verily, I say unto you. Who is that? <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people read the King James, but that just, that means truly. But, you know, he, that's religion and tradition, though. You know, people see Jesus as just, you know, on the stained glass window, and he's, he's got that lamb under his arm, and he's speaking, you know, yea, verily, I say unto you, you know, wherefore, go over here. You know, that's, yeah. that's just religion and tradition. Right. But see, you know, one thing that you read the Bible, religious people didn't want to be around Jesus. Sinners loved him. People that were lost, I mean, think about, um, about Zacchaeus. Here he is. Jesus comes down the road. Now, Zacchaeus was a, a tax collector. Now, especially back then, I mean, those people were, were very much hated. <laughs> you know, they could come in and just, you know what, you're paying 400000 in taxes this year. Well, you know, I haven't, well, you're, you're, we're going to change the books here. You know, it just, they could do that and then they would take your kids 
take everything you have just for taxes. So, you know, people didn't really care for them much. But you, he sees Zacchaeus. He said, come down. He said, I have to go to your house today. Boy, he was excited. <laughs> what did he say? He said, Lord, if, if I've done anything wrong, I'm going to restore four, fourfold. Why? Because he knew he had done wrong. It was no if. He knew he had done wrong. But his heart of compassion and his heart of love for the Lord. <clears throat> but, you know, a lot of times people say, well, especially around Christmas time, um, Jesus, meek and mild. You know, read the scriptures. I want to be just like Jesus. Well, you know, Jesus took whips after the religious people. I mean, he took, he took those cords and, you know, he, he, he drove them out of the temple. Why? Because they were making money selling things in the temple. You know, but yet on the other hand, look at the compassion of Jesus. How many remember the one time when Jesus, uh, at the end of his life, they came to take him? And Peter, you know, Peter was a, a bold man. And, you know, especially after the day of Pentecost. But he was, a, he was kind of a, a, a real brash type dude. And, um, so, you know, you know he, he came up and he took that sword out. Well, he was intended more to chop the guy's ear off. I can tell you. He just missed chopping his head off. But he, he chopped his ear off. And what did Jesus do? Jesus didn't say, well, you shouldn't have come to arrest me and this. He said he just reached down, picked up his ear and just healed him. So you see that love and compassion. <laughs> and see, as we let Jesus live big on the inside of us, that same love and that compassion is going to come out of us. But see, when you allow him to rise up big on the inside, don't think that you're not going to be cross-grained with religion too. Why? Because religion doesn't like people being healed. Come back on the Sabbath day. But here's the thing. They never healed anybody on the Sabbath or any day. Seven days, and you know, you can see them, seven days, men ought to work. Or six days, they come back on the Sabbath to be healed. Then you want to ask them, well, when is your healing service? They weren't healing anybody. You know, Jesus called them, you hypocrite. Well, it's not the way to be invited back to the temple next Sunday. But we're talking about seeing Jesus as he really is. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. And see, a lot of times people have thought when they come into the presence of God, you have to be morbid. But, but Jesus was a man of joy. Yes, we talked about this during the Christmas message that, you know, people say, well, you know, Jesus was a man of sorrows. But that was only for a brief amount of time during his substitutionary work for us. He is not weeping at the throne right now. He's not crying. He's not worried about how you're going to have your bills paid. He's not worried about you being healed. So why should you? And so one of the things we see with Jesus clearly is Jesus is portrayed in every book of the Bible. And I just wanted to read some of these. And just listen to this. Through the Bible, seeing Jesus. In Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. 
In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's our pillar of cloud by day and our pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's our lawgiver. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra, he's our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of the broken walls. In Esther, he's our advocate. In Job, he's our ever-living redeemer. In Psalms, he's the Lord, our shepherd, so we shall not want. In Proverbs, he's our wisdom. This is talking about seeing Jesus as he really is. In Ecclesiastes, he's our goal. In the Song of Solomon, he's our lover and our bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah and Lamentations, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the burning, fiery furnace. In Hosea, he's the eternal husband, forever married to the backslider. In Joel, he's a baptizer in the Holy Ghost. In Amos, he's our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's our savior. In Jonah, he's the great foreign missionary. In Micah, he's the messenger with beautiful feet. In Nahum, he's our avenger. In Habakkuk, he's the evangelist pleading for revival. In Zephaniah, he's the Lord mighty to save. In Haggai, he's a restorer of the lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's the fountain springing up with everlasting life. In Malachi, he's a righteousness rising up with healing in his wings. In Matthew, he's the Messiah. In Mark, he's the wonder worker. In Luke, he's the son of man. In John, he's the son of God. In Acts, he's the Holy Ghost moving among men. In Romans, he's the justifier. In 1st and 2nd Corinthians, he's the sanctifier. In Galatians, he's the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he's the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he's the God who supplies all of our needs. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, he's our soon coming king. In 1st and 2nd Timothy, he's the mediator between God and man. In Titus, he's the faithful pastor. In Philemon, he's the friend of the oppressed. In Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he's the Lord who raises the sick. In 1st and 2nd Peter, he's the chief shepherd who shall soon appear. In 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he is love. In Jude, he's the, coming, the Lord coming with 10,000 of his saints. In Revelation, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I like this. Jesus is Abel's sacrifice and Noah's rainbow. He's Abraham's ram and Isaac's well. He's Jacob's ladder and Ezekiel's burden. He's Judah's scepter, Moses' rod, David's slingshot, and Hezekiah's sundial. He's the church's head and is risen from the dead. He is a husband to the widow and a father to the orphan. To those traveling by night, he's the bright and morning star. To those in the lonesome valley, he's the lily of the valley valley, the rose of Sharon, the honey of the rock, and the staff of life. He's the pearl of great price. He's the rock in the weary land. He's the counselor. He's the everlasting father. The government is upon his shoulders. He's Peter's shadow, John's pearly white city. He's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the living God. He's the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And you know he owns the thousand hills as well. So don't forget that. He's the one who split the Red Sea. He's the one who took the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. He's the one who humbled himself, came to earth, healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed the lepers, opened the eyes of the blind, and turned the water into wine. 
He's the one who fed the 5,000, walked on water and cast out devils. He's the one who humbled himself once again and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He's the one who died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and ever lives to make intercession for us. He's coming back very soon. He is, who is he? He's Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. And I want you to turn over to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Revelation, chapter 1. If you want to see what he's really like, Revelation, chapter 1. Look at verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Look at verse 11. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, Unto Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamos, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like in the fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice as a sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that lives, liveth, and was dead. Notice it said, I was dead. <laughs> and I, I fell at his feet dead. He laid his right hand. I am the first and last. I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. So today it doesn't matter. What others have to say. The question is, what do you say? Who do you say that Jesus is? Jesus is, is, is knocking at the door of your heart and he says, Who do you say that I am? You know, Jesus, he, he, he says that in the book of Revelation. Revelation 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Why is he standing there knocking? It's not a trick question. Why is he standing there knocking? He wants to come into your life. But you know what? Notice it said, If any man hear my voice and open the door. How many know that the door handles on your side of the door? If any man hear my voice, open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, have fellowship, and he with me. 
To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father at his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith into the churches. So who do you say that Jesus is? And so I pray that with all of us that any bit of religious tradition or any scales that would be on our eyes would fall off. Why? That we can see Jesus as he really is. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the soon coming king. I want to read one more passage here in Jude. Jude, only one chapter. Just this one verse, it says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. To what? To execute judgment upon uh, the ungodly. And then also... Um, Turn over First uh, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Right after Colossians. As I say sometimes, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, the Gentiles eat pork chops. <laughs> and then Thessalonians. I don't know. I heard that in Bible school. I think one time. But let's look at here. First Thessalonians four. Talking about seeing Jesus clearly. This is this is our future right here. But I would not have you. Verse thirteen. Ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Uh, another word for that is go ahead of those that are asleep. And that's talking about people that have already died in their physical bodies in the grave. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. I mean, it's not going to be just meek and mild Jesus and my brothers come here to me. You know, it's, it says he's coming with a shout. Yeah. <laughs> with the voice of the archangel. You know, I heard a minister say this. And you know, don't just believe anybody's vision. Don't just believe anything unless you can uh, let it be scrutinized with the word. But I believe, that, I believe this is real and this was a legitimate thing. Uh, Brother Jesse Duplantis, uh, he, uh, he said he had a encounter with the Lord back in 1988 and he saw the Lord and uh, went to heaven had this experience and he said that he saw different ones he saw Abraham he saw Paul he saw all these different ones and he said that he stood there and like Paul said what are they saying about my gospel you know Jesus Paul said he called it my gospel and different ones and he saw different ones he saw King David and uh, different ones but he said he saw Jesus and Jesus was there, 
He said, you know, I always thought Jesus was a teacher, just a teacher only. He said, but Jesus come out of there shouting. <laughs> and he was talking to the people, you know, they were already in heaven. He said, he says, I'm going to get your brother. I'm going to get your sister. I'm going to get your, your mom. I'm going to get your dad. And he said, he was just shouting. He said, it wasn't just, you know, a little you know, three points in a poem. You know, it was just Jesus is a preacher. And it says he's going to come down with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds. This is, see, this is our future. I mean, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a glorious future. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's where we get that word rapture, be caught up. People say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, there it is right there. It just means to be caught up. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So if, to know that the Lord Jesus is coming back for the church is comforting. Yeah. And you know, it's not just so that he can save us because we're getting our, our brains beat out, you know. It's not, <laughs> you know, come quickly, Lord Jesus, you know, you know. But no, it's because the reason he's going to come back is because the church has done everything it's supposed to do. And it's fulfilled the work and the plan, the mission that God's called it to do. And then he's coming back. And like I say sometimes, I'm going on the first load. I'm going on the first load. And so, you know, what does that mean to me right now? That no matter how bad it is, this is all temporary. No matter how bad it gets, it's just a, a moment. And if you read, um, take the time, sometimes, I believe it's around 2 Corinthians 11. Look at what Paul says about his life and his ministry. He talks about all these different things as being light affliction. He talks about being stoned. Now we're not talking about in the, in the modern text of people getting stoned on the weekend. We're talking, about, we're talking about literal stones thrown and hit these, this man of God. He died. <laughs> Said he was beaten with rods. He suffered shipwreck. He was, he was left treading water a day and a night. I mean, he's just out there bobbling. You know, you got sharks underneath you and buzzards above you, you know. And so you're just out there treading water. And he, he goes on and talks about all these things. Perils by my own countrymen. Perils among the heathen. Peril among false brethren. You know, I went into church and it was false brethren. You know, and it just all these things. And then he goes on to say, and above all this, the care of the churches upon me daily. But you know what Paul says? He says, none of these things move me. Neither count on my, my life dear to myself. So what, what did Paul say? I mean, you know that's got to be rough on the devil. It's like he, he called all that light affliction. Well, because he said it's but for a moment. It's, say that. It's but for a moment. So God wants us to be overcomers now. He wants us to overcome now. Not just till we wait till we get to heaven. But even if it's bad, this is all going to pass away soon and very soon. 
Amen. So, Amen. so that's where your faith has to be. Yep. That, that this is not my home. Yep. That's what um, Hebrews 11 says. It talks about these men of faith. It said that they, they considered themselves to be pilgrims. And it said, no doubt if they, if they were mindful of that country from whence they came out, they would have had opportunity to return. What does that mean to me? That means the things of your past, don't be mindful of them. Anything in your life. Why? Because you'll have opportunity to return. When the Lord delivers you and sets you free, you, you, you put all that behind you and, and say, look, I'm a new creation. My, my home is in heaven. I, I'm just, I'm passing through. And, I, and I'm going to a fairer place. I'm, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> you almost have to talk in tongues to say it. But you, you, you know that you're going to another place. You know that you're going to be with the Lord. You know what Paul said? He said, I'm going to be with, with Christ, which is a little bit better. <laughs> no, he said, he said, for me to depart, what does that mean? He's going to die. He's going to go be with the Lord. For me to depart and to be with Christ is far better. Yes, far better. He said, but, but for you, because of you, it's more needful for me to stay in the flesh. Why? Because he loved them and he wanted them to grow. Yeah. He wanted them to, yeah. to, to grow in their life with God. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have a choice in, about the matter. But then you read later in, in 2 Timothy, what did Paul say? He said, I have fought a good fight. Yes. <laughs> I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Which the Lord shall give me. And not only me, but all those that love his appearing. Yeah. So what does that mean? I mean, I've always said this. And, and yeah. don't quote me. Don't say Pastor Will. You know, this is just my. <laughs> this is me. This is my belief. <laughs> Maybe because I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. But I've always said I believe the Lord's coming back on a Sunday. <laughs> so so, so when, we, when we go up in the air. The Lord's going to say, hey, what were you doing not in church today? You know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have any scripture for that. But what do you think, Wayne? I mean, uh, <laughs> but <clears throat> so that means that, that you don't want to miss anything for the glories of heaven. You know, no, no sin, no temptation, no pleasure. Nothing is worth us missing the glories of heaven. And sometimes it can, life can be hellish. Yeah. We're not saying that it can't be. But it's so temporal. Yeah. But you know, God doesn't want us to stay in that place. Where I'm just, I'm just struggling and I'm just... No. If you get enough grace from God, you can overcome anything. Amen. You know, if you get enough grace from God, you can overcome any habit, any addiction, any... Sin. I don't care what it is. If you get enough grace from God, you can overcome any sickness. You get enough grace from God. What is that? That's his ability. People think, well, it's just unmerited favor. Well, it is unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it. But it's also, it's God's uh, ability and, get this, his willingness to use it on my behalf. So the grace of God is not just, you know, a little bit of, you know, a little brill cream, a little bit of, a little dab of do you type thing. 
Some people are looking at me like, what are you talking about? How many remember commercial Brill Cream? People that are older than 46 know what I'm talking about. And so, see, God doesn't just want us to, to, to um, survive. He wants us to thrive. That's why we're having, that's why we have revival meetings. Why? Because what you can't do in your, in your own self, the Lord can put on you. You know, God wants to put something on you this week. And I'm not talking about a heavy burden. Well, you know, the Lord just put that on me, and I don't know why. And, and I just prayed and said, Lord, if, just take half of it away, please. No. The Lord doesn't put any burdens on you. He puts his yoke, which is easy. Amen. See, the devil, he likes to disguise himself and say, well, you know, you're serving the Lord, and look, at, look how hard it is. But, you know, if it's a heavy burden, it's not from the Lord. Why? Because his, his burden is light. His yoke is easy. Everyone's, so if I ask you about serving the Lord, what are you going to say? Light and easy. Light and easy. You know why? Because when we served the devil, that was, that was hard. You know, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. And even as a believer, if you transgress, it says the way of the, the transgressor is hard. And so that's why we have to come into his fellowship, to come into his presence. Even if you have missed it, just run. Run back to God. And, and the only way we'll do that is if we see Jesus clearly. And so that's what we want to. We want to see Jesus through the eyes of the book. We want to see him through the eyes of, uh, of the word of God and not religion and not tradition. No wonder people don't like church. You know, no wonder, you know, people think it's like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's like our pastor says, religion is like bad breath. Everyone knows you have it except you. <laughs> well, see, that's, that's the way religion is. You know, it just, you don't think you have it, but, but there can be that vestige of it. Amen. And, and that's why in, in the spirit of the Lord, there's life and there's liberty. Hallelujah. And freedom.